0: takes it a while Um, we got a little bit behind and so we made some progress on that this past week hopefully I'm going to try to finish it out uh, this coming week so that everything is up and online but let me talk to you just real quick about our next series Um, so next Sunday I know it's Labor Day weekend so some of you might be in and out but we will begin and introduce a series um, entitled die will be done and so um, talking about uh, how to know and discern the will of God and so thy will be done we'll start that this coming Sunday uh, September the 5th and so we'll look at uh, we'll really look at the introduction to the lesson um, but then we'll start and we kind of go for a couple of weeks. My goal in that is that I think we talk often about uh, the will of God and we just act like the, everyone's supposed to know what that is. Um, sometimes we try to talk about it in a way that almost makes it sound spooky. Um, so you find the will of God for your life. And we act like that you need to have some sort of encrypted code to uh, know and understand that. And um, the truth is is that the Bible actually is very clear about what the will of God is. And so we'll start a series uh, next Sunday called Die, Will Be Done. I do thank you for your faithfulness. I know summer is sometimes hit and miss for many of you and so um, i appreciate your faithfulness over the summer as it draws to an end i know that some of you will get a little bit more uh stable schedules and so i appreciate that if you miss a sunday like i said our goal is to always have those up online for you so that you can go back but as we close this one we're going to close it with what i believe is um, maybe the most uh universal lesson that we could do um, and we're going to talk about battling unmet expectations now I already mentioned this once but you don't have the front page of your notes so the only things you're gonna miss is like the first 11 verses and then that title but I'm gonna go ahead and give it to you so we're in lesson number nine and we're talking about battling unmet expectations now when I say that here's what I want you to understand no matter who you are in life you have an expectation of some things don't you um, even sometimes ones that you don't know until they aren't met. Um, sometimes maybe you say, well I'm going into this relationship with no expectations and when you show up for the first date and the, uh, maybe the guy didn't dress the way that you thought he should and he, he was a little bit disheveled and he was 35 minutes late then all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> Well, who is he? Well, you said you were going into it with no expectations and now all of a sudden you have expectations, okay? So sometimes we have expectations that we don't even realize. And so when we talk about expectations, whether you recognize them or not, you have an expectation that has to be met. You have expectations for different areas of life. You have expectations for your job. You have expectations for your relationship. You probably have expectations for your finances and you probably are not meeting them like everyone else in the world, okay? You have expectations that sometimes just seem like they continue to go unmet. My wife and I, we get an opportunity to do premarital counseling sometimes with uh, some of the couples that come through the class and that we get an opportunity to be a part of maybe their marriage or their next step or whatever. And one of the things that we talk about in that uh, is having unmet. What do you do with unmet expectations? Because here's what we. Here's what I want you to see, and this is the main idea there in your note. Unmet expectations are a part of life, and they're a huge distraction to the Christian mind or to the mind. Okay, play out this scenario with me for just a second. Maybe you don't even realize that you have an expectation. Let's just use a job for, for instance. You show up and you've you've read through all the paperwork, you look at everything, and you you see your pay, you see how much you're supposed to make, you see all of the benefits, you see everything, and you go through and you read that and you say, man, this is going to be great, this is God's will for my life, and you sign on the dotted line, and then that first paycheck rolls around and you forgot to account for taxes, right? That is so discouraging. Like here you are, you're thinking, okay, at this price, I can probably go and buy myself a Lamborghini. I can probably go and get that new th- new thing that I wanted. I can probably go and, and buy myself and spoil myself, treat yourself, okay? You can do a little bit of all that, You're plan, all that. And then you get that first paycheck and you look at your bank account and it's like, oh, that's discouraging. Forgot to account for the whole taxes thing, right? And so now all of a sudden you have to deal with some sort of disappointment. You maybe even have to rework a budget. You maybe even have to tweak some things. You maybe all of a sudden are saying, okay, now instead of going and getting name brand ramen, I'm going to go and get cheapo ramen. I'm going to go and get great value ramen, all right? So you have to figure out some things as a result of not having your expectations met. And for the Christian, here's what I want you to see. Unmet expectations is an opportunity for God to show himself in your life. Unmet expectations are really an opportunity For God to show himself in your life. We're going to look at that from the story of Ruth. We'll read down uh, through chapter number one, really the whole thing. I'll kind of skip around to maybe help it not uh, be so long. I hate to apologize for reading a lot of scripture, um, but sometimes I know that if I look up in the middle of verse number 14, it looks like everybody's about to pass out, okay? So let's go ahead and let's begin reading in verse number one to kind of set the context of the book of Ruth. Uh, Ruth chapter number one, verse one, the Bible says this. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and certain man, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn to the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. So let's get the picture here, okay? There's a famine in Bethlehem, and so this guy, this leader of his home, this leader of his family, says, I am going to go to another area, so he leaves Bethlehem to go to Moab, Moab, and he takes his whole family. It says he, his wife, and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of two of their two sons, Malon and Chilion, Epaphrodites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons. Okay, So now Elimelech, the patriarch of the family, passes away. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Okay, so let's get kind of the picture here for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with the story of Ruth, all right? So you've got Elimelech, who's the patriarch of the family. Things begin to go bad. There's a famine in Bethlehem. And so he says, I'm going to go to Moab. So he takes his whole family, his wife, and his two unmarried sons, and he moves to Moab. And when he moves to Moab, he dies. Okay? Elimelech dies. And that leaves Naomi a widow. She still has her two sons. Her two sons marry daughters or girls that are Moabites. And so they get married in Moab. They marry Ruth and Orpah. And now all of a sudden both Malon and chilion I'm sure that's probably not the correct pronunciation, but that's how this Tennessee slash West Virginia boy will pronounce them, okay? So Malon and Chilion died. So now what you have is a household that had some strong male leadership in it is now three women that are left to deal with life on their own after all three of their husbands have died, okay? Not really the greatest living situation they're in a country that they that they are not originally from other than Ruth and Orpah so Naomi is away from her family friend she's away from her family she's away from her home country her husband dies and then her two sons die, and she's left with her daughter-in-laws and just herself verse number six then she arose with her daughters-in-laws that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. Verses 8 through uh, really 10, um, she says, you guys need to stay. There's no reason for you to return. Orpah, one of the daughters in laws says that she'll stay. But Ruth says, and I want you to skip down in verse number 13, the Bible says this, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth claved unto her. Verse number. Skip down to verse number 16. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. And thy people shall be my people, and thy God shall be my God. I want to talk to you in just a couple minutes about how to battle unmet expectations. How to battle unmet expectations. The truth is, is that we all have them. We all struggle with disappointments. We all have things that we would expect from people in our life. Most of us, we would assume that a boss would treat their employee in the correct way, and sometimes that doesn't happen. We would assume that maybe a girlfriend or boyfriend would act and live in a certain way, and sometimes that doesn't happen. We would assume that maybe even a leader in our life or a mentor in our life would not falter or would not fail, and sometimes that doesn't happen. We would assume that maybe a dad or a mom would not be the one who would pass before we did, and sometimes that does not happen. So how do you deal with those unmet expectations? How does God use them in your life? Let's pray and ask God to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to look into your word. Lord, we thank you for the story of Ruth. There's really so much in this short little book that shows us just how good you are to us. And so may we take this and may we use it to apply to our hearts and to our lives. And Lord, to our minds, as we close out this series of Unmet Expectations, we ask that you would uh, use this. Lord, I pray that you would help with your word to sink down deep into us. Lord, give me the words to say as I speak. In your name we pray. Amen. The first thing that I want you to notice in how to battle unmet expectations is this. Stay faithful where you are. Stay faithful where you are. Now, this is going to sound like it's a little bit out of order, but I think that in sequential order you'll realize in just a second that it actually is in order, okay? So stay faithful where you are. You know, one of the first things that occurs when you experience some sort of unmet expectation or you experience some sort of disappointment is you just want to kind of give up on it, right? If it's a relationship, it's kind of like, well, I didn't see that coming, so I quit. If it's a job, oh, I didn't see that coming, so I quit. If it's maybe a class or a teacher or whatever, okay, I didn't see that coming, so I want to change classes. Whatever it is, one of our natural reactions to disappointment and to unmet expectations is to just quit just to give up on it just to say well there's nothing here and it's interesting to me that in verses 14 and 15 that Ruth actually responds the exact opposite of how you would expect her to, to respond She had every right to stay in her home country, to stay in Moab, to stay where she was born, to stay where she had friends, to stay where she had family, to stay where she should have been. But she said, I am going to stay faithful to, and I want you to listen to this, to Naomi, because something is different here. Okay? I am going to stay faithful to the family that I have married into. You know, sometimes I look at marriage relationships, and obviously that doesn't apply to everyone in the room. And sometimes here's what I see: if there is unfaithfulness in a relationship, that it almost gives the person in the, the the other person in the relationship an excuse to also be unfaithful. And that could not be further from the truth, as, according to Scripture. That could not be further from God's plan for something. And in this passage, here's what is so interesting to me. Naomi left probably what was the will of God for her life. Maybe it was by through a leading, but they ended up in Moab. They left Bethlehem. They went to where there was food, where they could feed their family. And they left Bethlehem rather than waiting on God to do something in Bethlehem. And Ruth had a choice to make. Am I going to stay faithful to what I've seen in Naomi and to what I've seen in this family and what I've married into? Or am I just going to stay in what's comfortable? And many times the way that we can step back and we can look at disappointment and the way that we can handle expectations is that we just say, I'm going to throw my hands up, I'm going to wave the white flag, and I'm going to be done. Can I encourage you with this from this passage to stay faithful where you are? Stay faithful where you are. Maybe something disappoints you in a church or, or maybe in a leader or something disappoints you in maybe maybe even your walk with God. Something disappointing occurs. Stay faithful where you're at. You see no one ever gets to see fruit by running and jumping ship every time something goes wrong. Sometimes I like to say that you don't you shouldn't mistake fruitfulness for faithfulness. Can I maybe tweak that saying just a little bit and, set, and tell you this and show you this? Don't also negate faithfulness in fruitfulness, meaning this. That you won't see fruit unless you're faithful. And sometimes what I see in so many Christians' lives is this. They're 40, 50 years down the road and they have no fruit to show for their Christian life. And here's why. It's nothing to do with the fact that they're not a Christian, that they're not praying, that they're not walking with God, and everything to do with that they were not faithful where they were. Something got difficult, so I quit. This ministry got hard, so I quit. This marriage relationship got hard, so I quit. This got difficult, so I quit. And so they never get to see fruit because they never decided to be faithful. Fruitfulness is the result of faithfulness. Okay? Okay. Go and ask any farmer and anyone who grows anything that is productive and that is produced, okay? You don't get to just show up one spring and say, well, that was a good one, all right, I guess I'm I'm done. Oh, this was a bad one. Well, I guess I'm going to quit this. No. Fruitfulness is the result of long-term faithfulness. And if you want to experience fruitfulness in your life, if you want to experience the abundant Christian life as Jesus Christ promises in John chapter number 14, then you must stay faithful where God has placed you, even in the midst of unmet expectations. But then the second thing that I want you to notice is this, and this is going to sound contradictory, but I think that I'll be able to show you from God's Word how it's not. First of all, stay faithful where you are. But secondly, is this go where God is working. Go where God is working. In verse number six, you see that Naomi makes a choice. In fact, I want you to see it because I love how it's worded. Look at verse number six. At the end of the verse, it says, For she had heard in the country of Moab. So she's in another country. Obviously, she doesn't have Twitter. She doesn't have Facebook. She doesn't have Instagram. She doesn't have the Fox News app. She doesn't have any of that. So she hears in another country about something that is occurring in her home country. And it says this How that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. How the Lord had visited his people. In giving them bread here's what she sell she said I am going to go where I know that God has already done something in my life I am going to go back to where I know that God is working I am going to revisit what I know that God has already done and many times here's what we do we are not faithful in where God has placed us because we don't know where to return to see how faithful God has been to us. I'm going to repeat that because it's so it, it's important. Many times we are not faithful where God has placed us because we never revisit how God has been faithful to us. Meaning this. That when you are tempted to quit, when you're tempted to give up, when you're tempted to leave because maybe there's disappointment or there's unmet expectations, you need to run back to the time to where God met a need, to where you, 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 had, you were in need, you needed him to do something, you needed him to step in, and he did it. Because here's what that means. That means that if he's still at work, you should still be with him. If he's still working, you should still be waiting on him. You should still be seeking him. And God is always working behind the scenes. And sometimes it's just a matter of us saying, Lord, I'm going to stay where I'm at, and I'm going to revisit what you're doing, what you've already done, and I'm going to get back to see you do it again. You see, here's what we don't understand. is The Christian life is really not that difficult. When you really boil down the Christian life, it's not that difficult. What makes it difficult is the Christian life in the external circumstances of this world, isn't it? Man, if everything was just peachy and everything was great and there was nothing that ever went wrong and there wasn't sin and there weren't difficult people and there weren't unmet expectations, there weren't failures and there weren't any of these things that occurred, the Christian life would actually be very easy. And the same thing that has produced the fruitfulness in your life up to this point needs to be something that you get back to and you say, I am going to reproduce that again in my life. Many times we are so guilty of doing this in our, in our Christian walk. We are guilty of saying, well, I don't know how I got here, so I guess I'll just try to experiment and do it all over again. And that could not be further from the truth than what God desires of his children. You see, the Christian life is actually an opportunity for us to be reproducing constantly. For us to be experiencing God in new and fresh ways that we've never experienced Him before. And unless we revisit where and how and what He has already done often, we will miss out on an opportunity to experience fruit. And the last thing that I want to close with is this, and we'll be done, okay? Thirdly, I want you to see God's hand at work If you want to even word it like this It's maybe a little bit more specific See God's hand at work in your disappointments See God's hand at work in your disappointments Let me just shoot you straight I probably knew what lesson 10 was going to be in this series Before I knew what lesson 2 was going to be in this series Okay, Sometimes that happens and when I look at this, here's what, I, here's what I want you to see. Disappointments, unmet expectations, however you want to paint them, whatever you want to call them, is universal. Okay? We all experience them. Some of you have experienced them this week. Some of you have experienced them maybe today already. Okay? Your coffee wasn't as good as what you thought it would be. Like, oh my goodness, that's that's so disappointing, alright? It tastes like dirt. <laughs> You experience an unmet expectation. You experience a disappointment. All right. And many times, what we are so guilty of doing is this: we're so worried about what didn't happen that we forget to see what did. Can I look at? Can I walk you through the story of Ruth without reading you the whole book word for word? If Elimelech never moves to Moab, then Ruth and Orpah never meet Malon and Chilion. If Elimelech never dies, Malon and Chilion probably just move back to Bethlehem unmarried. If Malon and Chilion never die, Ruth is never husbandless. If God doesn't provide bread and fix the famine in Bethlehem, then Naomi never moves back. If Naomi never moves back, Ruth never meets Boaz. If Ruth never meets Boaz, then Ruth, a Moabite woman who was a widow, is never in the line of Jesus Christ. You go back and you read the genealogies of Jesus in Matthew of Matthew chapter number 1 and Luke chapter number 1. Who's in it? Ruth and Boaz. And what you have in this passage is this, that if it weren't for the disappointments, Ruth, a Moabite woman, outside of the Israelites, okay, outside of God's people, is never in the lineage and genealogy of Jesus Christ, who we call Savior, who came to this earth to bleed and die for our sins. Ruth is not in that line unless she experienced unmet expectations and disappointments so many times we look at something and we say "Well, look at what God didn't do look at what didn't happen in my life look at what didn't go right and we never give God the benefit of the doubt and say but look at what did my son I'll close with this illustration I'm going to pick on him for a little bit and pray that in 30 to 40 years the podcast that we've posted are, are not available to my children okay <laughs> But my son, he's six years old, and he's our, he's our pretty high-strung one. Some of you that have maybe seen him in school, um, he's like 110% like on everything, okay? Um, he, he is all in on pretty much everything. And so one of the things that we do when we take our kids to bed is we have different forms of taking them to bed to kind of make it more fun. Like, hey, we're going to do this and get you to your bed so that you'll go to sleep and be quiet and leave us alone for like eight hours, okay? And so like we give them piggyback rides. And so some of the ones that I've come up with is that I've got one that that we call the chariot at our house. And so we'll put a blanket on the ground and we lay them in the ground and I'll drag them through the house. And like we've got hardwood floors and we call it the chariot. But the one that we've recently come up with is called the burrito, okay? And so we'll put our kids in a blanket and I grab all four corners of the blanket and I wrap them up real tight and I'll haul them in and then Braxton has a bunk bed and so I'll sling him into his bed and we call it a burrito. So the other night he was wanting to go to bed and I was just I was like so tired so I was wanting to do whatever was the easiest okay. And so I was sitting on the couch and he got behind me. And he said, give me a piggyback ride to bed. And I was like, okay, great. And so I like, I stand up with him and I got him on my back and we get like five steps down the hallway, okay? Which is not a very long hallway. Like we're already three-fourths of the way. He's like, no, 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 no. I want a burrito. I want a burrito, I want a burrito. And I'm like, are, are you kidding me right now? Like this is not like a life or death situation. And so I just went ahead and kept walking. I was like, no, no, no. Like being like kind of a strong-willed dad. And I was like, no. And I just like kind of chucked him into his bed. And He started crying, and he was like, "I don't want a piggyback ride." And I'm like, "Are you are you serious right now? Like, we're gonna have a discussion about a piggyback ride versus a burrito? Like, like there's some kids who uh, probably over dramatized it. Like, like there's some kids who probably don't even have a house to, want to do a burrito. Like, they probably don't even have a blanket to do this in, or whatever. Okay. Like, do you realize how blessed you are? because like, that's automatically like your parent discussion. All right. Uh, like, there's someone over. I remember I had a. I, well, I'm not gonna tell you that story. Okay. Um, so like he's sitting there and he's crying about it, we're talking about it, and I, I looked at him, I said, Braxton, I said, do you realize that you missed out on something that was enjoyable because you were too worried about what you didn't have, what you didn't get to do? You missed out on a blessing because you were too worried about the burden. And I, as I was saying that, I was thinking man, that's something that probably I do in my Christian life and as a human being as well. And for many of us, here's what we do. God, why did you do that? God, why did so-and-so break up with me? God, why did this happen? God, why did you let this occur? Why did you let so-and-so get sick? God, why did you hurt me? Why why did this occur? Why, why, why? And we're so worried about, about telling God what we didn't get to do that we very rarely step back and just say, Lord, look at what I did get to do. And Ruth could have very easily, in that moment, have said, well, didn't get to have a husband for very long, so I'm just going to stay in Moab, and I'm going to pout, I'm going to be bitter at God, I'm going to go and find someone else here in Moab to make make my life happy. But she chose to do a couple of hard things in that process. She chose to stick with Naomi, which really when you dig down deep into it, for her financial prosperity and probably her, her, her personal protection, was a terrible decision. But it was the right decision because God was on Naomi. Naomi was going where God was working, so she stayed faithful. She went and she got to, maybe she got to glean the sheaves off of the corners of Boaz's field. And because she made that difficult decision, God used that to bring her a husband and a husband who would put her in the line of Jesus Christ. And I know that we as human beings cannot go and maybe one day in heaven we'll get an opportunity to talk to Ruth And we'll we'll look at her and we'll be like, Ruth, you are such a great Christian. You really capitalized on those burdens and those disappointments. And she may look at us and say, oh, I was so ticked off during all that. And be like, oh, good, that's how I felt too, okay? But that's not what I see when you look at Ruth. She chose to focus on what God was doing. Rather than just complain about what God wasn't doing. And as we close out this series, here's what I think that we can probably all agree with. Most of you, probably 95, 98% of you, the distractions of your mind are not because of some wicked, evil temptation, which we talked about week number one. Probably 70, 60% of you, the distraction of your mind is not some anxiety or, or stress or worry, and that may come and go, but, but that's not really where you're at. Probably a large percentage of you, your struggle is not depression, your struggle is maybe not any of the things that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, but I can promise you this. that if not now, then at some point in your life, 100% of you will struggle with disappointment and unmet expectations. Someone or something failed me. And if you're not careful, you will turn that into a condemnation on god well god so and so failed me so i guess you're a bad god do you realize how illogical that argument is that because a human being did something wrong that a holy righteous perfect god is now also wrong and what i want you to see is that in moments of disappointment in moments of unmet expectations it's not an opportunity for you in, to indict God about what he's not doing. It is an opportunity for you to trust God about what he is doing. And if you can take your eyes in this world off of how everything in this life disappoints you, take your eyes off of the burden and begin to focus on the blessing, I believe that it will transform not only your perspective on this life, but I believe it has the power to transform your mind as well. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. And we we'll ask the Lord to bless Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.